Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. Uh, this is episode 63. We are coming to you. We are recording uh, Tuesday night, February 4th at 8 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, happy Oscar week. Happy Oscar week, guys. Cheers. Yeah. How weird is it to be talking about the Oscars now and not like end of this month or even into March. It's cool like having the Super Bowl and then the Oscars in consecutive weeks. That is kind of cool. It it kind it, it just kind of is that double whammy there. Can we talk about the Super Bowl for a moment? I, don't know. I mean, you're always bringing up baseball. I feel like we oh, should be yeah. talking about the Super yeah. Bowl. An amazing game. I'm glad that all three of us could appreciate the result because as 49ers haters, uh, I'm sure there was quite a bit of thrill watching that and uh it was a spectacular comeback and uh i as as you well know based on the texts i sent i sent you i never had a doubt that mahomes was going to bring him back i mean i was 100 percent sure you know when he threw that second interception it was it was just getting started yeah yeah when, yeah, when, when you that said second that's game that's game yeah <laughs> that's what we got yeah i i'm more curious so we had a uh we had a a uh, a text exchange on on our prediction of the scores and Zach I'm I'm asking you who won who won the office pool here because uh, yeah. you were way off but Todd said the final score was going to be thirty to twenty and I said the final score was going to be thirty one to twenty three and the final score was thirty one to twenty so who Isn't wins it here Todd? that Todd I was one wins? point off <laughs> what what run down your case for me. What what's your case? <laughs> I I had I got so he he got he got the score of the losing team and I got the score of the winning I've, team. I've never and heard of that. I was one point happening. off on the other one. <laughs> I mean, true. if you had predicted, you know, a... no, I, I I will say I was kind of bummed when uh, I, I was bummed when um, Jimmy G threw that last pick to seal the game because I'm thinking to myself, literally, I'm thinking to myself during that drive, they're gonna go down. They're gonna get in field goal range. They're gonna kick a quick field goal, go up thirty-one or go to thirty-one twenty-three, make it a one-score game. Uh, not get the onside kick. Kansas City wins, and I had and I would have it perfect. I thought that was gonna happen. Well, I was kind of hoping at one point Jimmy G would go down and throw a pick, and we'd have to see Richard Sherman go ah! <laughs> again. Yeah. So the, uh, so here in Kansas City, in the Kansas City metropolitan area, there's a big parade happening tomorrow. Um, a lot of uh, schools closed. It's going to be snowy weather. They're estimating that a million people are going to be there. And my fearless prediction, since we're making a prediction podcast about the Academy Awards, my fearless prediction that the MVP of the parade and celebration tomorrow will be none other than the Kansas City great Johnny Gomes. He's going to take the mic, grab an American flag, <laughs> And hoist up Travis Kelsey on his shoulders, and they're gonna scream, "Let's party like it's for Lombardi." Oh, you have to write, you have to fight for your right to to Lombardi. I didn't hear that ten times this week. Jo- Johnny Gomes. I saw huh? Johnny Gomes. Yep, that's my fearless prediction. 
Well, well, with with mentioning Johnny Gomes as a Red Sox fan, Zach, I have to get your uh, your thoughts on the uh, Mookie Betts to the Dodgers trade that just went down. Oh my gosh! Well, you know, I denounced the Patriots years ago. I'm ready to denounce the Red Sox. Give up? They should give up their. I think Houston and Boston should give up their trophies. There needs to be asterisks next to their names. I have no comment on it. I I swear no allegiance to Boston anymore. Screw them, cheaters, all of them. Sneaky part of the deal. Kenta Maeda to the Twins. They, they, they're getting the pitcher they need. Uh, I'm just saying. All right. Anyways, th- that's enough That's enough of this. Yeah, that's, that's enough. This tomfoolery yeah, we have on. going on here. Uh, Zach, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking some fabulous Agua Fria, courtesy of Starbucks. Which is now I think the third the third straight podcast where I've done that. It's this has been an interesting social experiment because I will say I have been a lot sharper, but I don't think uh, the content uh, has been as as high. So I'll 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 try to raise it up a little bit. Uh, we can't do sober trivia. That's true. That's true. Well, it has been the third straight podcast that has been unconventional, as we've been doing end of the year, end of the decade, and now Oscars. So I'm looking forward to uh, to a couple weeks from now when we actually get into a normal normal traditional podcast again. Todd, what do you got? I got the Drago Azul Gold Tequila. There you go. Big bottle of it. Not drinking straight out of the bottle, unfortunately. Why not? But, you know, <laughs> it's a big bottle. <laughs> I can't do that and talk. That's the problem with it. You can't do it and talk. <laughs> So I've got here, um, fresh out of the Yakima Valley, uh, Bale Breaker Brewery's uh, Golden Grit IPA. Um, and it's definitely a bitter IPA. So, uh, But Golden Grit, Golden Oscars, I thought it was, it was uh. fitting. And uh, it's, it's, a little, it's a little too bitter for my taste as an IPA, but, uh, you know, it'll, it'll do. The Yakima is a nice shout-out to uh, Matthew Gertzen. Yep. The Yakima's yep. most famous resident. If he's listening out there, I'm sure yep. he is. We, Absolutely. We miss you. you know so, he is. Somewhere in the ether. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, before we get into talking Oscars, let's do a little uh, little recap of what we've been watching. Uh, Todd, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, what you been watching? Uh... I was trying to catch up on all the nominated shorts. I wa- I got to eleven of the fifteen. I because those are the only ones available online, that for free at least. And so I guess I could give my favorites in each category. Uh, in the documentary short, in the absence is a, like a fascinating move, like a documentary about like a, a yacht that flips over, and that that was really good. Uh, an animated short. I really like this one called Memorable, but I don't think it has any shot at winning. There's a couple like more very more conventional winners in that one and in live action short uh the neighbor's window is probably the front runner which it feels like a 20 minute hitchcock movie or something like that which is really cool but i it's i don't know that it it actually is something that would win an oscar so i don't know (laughs) i've been watching those all right all right uh zach how about yeah have you guys seen any of the shorts oh go ahead zach 
Yeah, I've been showing Hair Love to my classes. I think it's a really uh, cool short. I think it prob I think it will win that category. And uh, apparently it's the most money ever raised for a movie on Kickstarter. It was like uh, $300,000 or $400,000 that the guy got. And um, it's a really cool story behind it. And uh, I think it's a really cute, sweet, um, re re really lovely uh, short animated film. Matthew Cherry's pretty awesome. He has a lot of cool stuff on social media, too. Yeah, that one is good. Uh, but, I mean, there is a, a Pixar one. I really feel like that's probably going to win. I know Pixar doesn't win that often. Well, it, it's won probably. I mean, most of the times that it's nominated for in the short category, it yeah. does win. Like I think, oh, what, Bao even won, or Bao, whatever Bao. that one was called. called Bao. Yeah. Bao. Yeah, and and Kitbull also. You're talking about Kitbull, right? That that one has some recognition yeah. and and familiarity. Yeah. I feel like if there's any like a semblance of notoriety or, or recognition, it's you know a, a pretty big advantage in that category. Yeah. All right, uh, Zach, what have you been watching? Uh, this weekend I saw Just Mercy, which I know you reviewed a couple weeks ago, Terry. Uh, sort of split vote between you and Todd. I side way more with Terry on this movie. I don't think it's I think it's far from a masterpiece, and I would agree that there are a lot of uh, sentimental, maybe overly. Um, saturine moments in it but uh, it is a really powerful movie I think it's one of Michael B. Jordan's best performances and um, he's he's be he's really become one of the best actors this decade um, and uh, maybe this sounds like a crass comparison at first but I think it's a little similar to Green Book in the sense that it sort of romanticizes this real-life incident and it uses cliches and melodrama to swell up the emotion um, but it does it in a much more authentic way, and I think it also helps that there are actually black characters who are the main characters in the movie. And so I wonder, what did the Academy see in Green Book that they didn't <coughs> see in this movie? Like, I feel like this is th this movie should have been nominated for several Oscars, even though I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but I'm kind of shocked it got so overlooked. I'm going to say what Green Book had over this was a campaign. True, true. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think that's really what it comes down to. It didn't. It wasn't really out there that much. Um, well, I agree. I agree. Michael B. Jordan is mm -hmm. awesome in that movie. I think it probably. I mean, other than Fruitvale Station, I think it's his best performance. And I don't know why he just is ignored by awards so much. It, it's kind of ridiculous at this point. Like he he was like young Tom Cruise level like charisma in that movie in the, as a lawyer. I don't. I, I can't. I can't imagine how he was not the one singled out. In yeah, Jamie, Jamie Foxx Fox was the only buzz that movie had. I agree. Michael B. Jordan was amazing, and Jamie Foxx was amazing as well. Yeah, but, uh, both both were great. It, it was yeah. a really good movie. It it had moments I thought of, of greatness, but it was too long and too too melodramatic. But you know, it was it was worth my time. I, I enjoyed it. Well, I'm glad you sided more with me. <laughs> All right. Admittedly, uh, so I've not me, I, I've not seen Conviction, the movie that Todd says it's a ripoff of. So. Oh well, yeah, it's not, but it's not a ripoff. It's the same it's just, movie. I mean, it's just told the same it's, way. It's similar. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that there is someone wrongfully accused of of a crime and someone tries to get them off. That is the extent of the parallels. But anyways. So for me, uh, last Whatever. podcast I was talking about how I. Uh, I've been trying to watch a movie each week that's uh, an anniversary Oscar nominee. Uh, so I've been I've been working my way through that. So I watched Another Year, the uh, 2010 Mike Lee movie, which 
It was pretty good. Um, definitely different. Uh, my It was my first Mike Lee experience, and my initial take in watching it is it kind of felt like Mike Lee uh, writes like the British Woody Allen. Just how the, some of the dialogue works and, and how it's kind of quippy and witty and fast-paced. It, it felt like... That's kind of what it felt like. Um, but yeah, so that was my take on another year. Um, pretty good. I gave it three stars. Uh, not Nothing super great, but uh, but it was a good watch. Then last night, I, was, uh, I watched the trippiest movie ever. Probably not ever, but uh, Lars von Trier's Dancer in the Dark... Uh, with uh, starring Bjork, because it was nominated in 2000 for best original song. That was that was quite the film. Um, I honestly I haven't even finished processing it yet to even consider giving it a rating. But yeah, the the su- such a guerrilla style of filming it with just the the low qual the low res film, and then you add in these you know, musical dance numbers on top of what the story is. It was just strange. <laughs> and I'm still, I'm still debating what, what I actually thought of it, but it was, it was strange. Whether, and I'm still, de- you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing yet, but yeah. Yeah. Von Trier is not going to be <laughs> your cup of tea, Terry, but I, at least you started with something somewhat conventional in how it's told and not like, you know, Antichrist or... So that that is conventional Lars von Trier. Good to know. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, I mean, that's as, I mean, that's as close as it gets. I mean, it's not Dogville. <sighs> I, love, I, love, I love Dancer in the Dark. It's a borderline, like, top 100 movie all time for me. I think I've talked about Bjork on this podcast as giving one of the greatest performances of all time. Like, she is unbelievable she's very good. in that she movie. It's the only movie good. she's ever been in. I think it's a great mm-hmm. movie. I have some of the songs on my phone. Um, it's it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, it, it was it was definitely it was definitely worth the watch. But yeah, just to experience that, I'm still like I said, I'm still processing. So, anyways, let's uh, let's get into uh, talking some Oscars here. So we have the Oscars coming up on. Sunday. Uh, once again, we we have no host, right? We have no host. They never announced whether there was going to be no a host, host or not, so I think everyone just assumed there's no host. And uh, we're going to be working our way through the, the big categories. Uh, kind of taking uh, a lead from the uh, basically the people who fathered what became movie podcasts, and that's Siskel and Ebert and their their show at the movies who would always talk every year about um oh, what did they call it? if we pick the winners is that what they called it yeah yeah so we're going to go through and we're gonna, we expand that a little bit and we're going to talk about who um we're going to talk about who should win who should have been nominated and then give you our predictions for who we think will win and uh in terms of who will win, you can also predict who you think will win in our yearly Oscar challenge. Uh, go to almostsideways.com to cast your ballot. You can find a link for it there. You can find a link for it on Twitter, at Almost Sideways. Uh, you can find a link for it on our Facebook page. Uh, find it all over. Um, submit your ballot and see if you can do better than us in predicting who's going to win on Sunday. 
Uh, this is a fascinating race for several different reasons, but the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go around and ask you guys, give me one bold prediction, kind of outside the major categories we're going to be looking at, but one bold prediction for uh, for uh, Sunday. Zach, you first. Give me a bold prediction. Um, I think, well, I don't know how bold this is, so maybe I'll come back to this, but... Um, I think Ford v. Ferrari is going to win several awards this Sunday. Um, I think it's going to win at least one sound award, and I think it's going to win Best Editing. And again, I don't know how bold that is, uh, but, you know, we're not going to talk about the technical awards necessarily in depth, but um, I feel like, you know, a lot of people are just sort of giving it de facto to 1917, but I feel like there's some real love out there inexplicably for Ford v. Ferrari, the worst film of the year. So that that's my bold prediction. Best Editing and one of the Best Sound Awards. <laughs> I will say, as much as I didn't like that movie, some of the texts, I, I, I wouldn't say they're unwarranted. Um, so if it, if it happens, I think, it happens. Uh, yeah, I think the Academy has to cover its bases a little bit because it's it's been exposed for how stupid that Best Picture nomination was. So it has to give it a little credibility by giving it actually some awards. Yeah. Uh, okay, my my bold prediction is that um, the Irishman is going to go 0 for 10. The second Scorsese yep. movie to do yep. that. It yeah. will it will go 0 for 10 and not uh, not win a single Oscar. Potentially, depending on how things go, potentially being the only Best Picture nominee not to win an Oscar. There's my bold prediction. The Irishman will be the only Best Picture nominee not to have an Oscar at the end of the night. Yeah, that, that, that's a better prediction. That's a bolder that's my, and more interesting prediction. That's, that's, my, that's my bold prediction. All right, Todd, what do you got? Well, I'm not sure how the hell that's going to happen, because <laughs> two, two of them only pretty much have a chance to win one award. So it would have to be another shocker in there somewhere. But... No, it works. Okay. It works. Um, I'm, I'm going with it. All right. Well, um, I I, I kind of feel like uh, Joker is going to win best makeup and hairstyling because, like, I mean, that award is always a little weird. They gave it to like Suicide Squad. I mean, they obviously love like obvious makeup, and it doesn't always go to prosthetics and stuff. So, I don't know. Joker's got to win something else if, if it's going to have a chance to win best picture. So, I think makeup is a decent last couple years it. it's gone to prosthetic work though i mean it, you had you had, Vice, you had darkest hour yeah but i mean but suicide squad is co way not conventional and i mean they they do like obvious true makeup. true i heard a i heard a decent argument for uh for judy to win best makeup and uh, and yeah, kind of follow follow like uh, what Iron Lady did. Iron Lady, because it is the same yeah. movie. Just like <laughs> Conviction is the same movie as Just Mercy. Apparently, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, um, I, I I was I was texting Todd the other day. I think a really like low key interesting category this year is production design, because you would think that 1917 would be the runaway favorite in that category, especially if it's going to win Best Picture. And I feel like in some years we've talked about how editing, best editing is a barometer for best picture. 
And I feel like this year it's going to be best production design because if 1917 wins it, I think it's in pretty good shape to win best picture and best director. But I think it's facing some pretty stiff competition, especially from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. And I think if one of those films win, um, then I think, I don't know, I, I think it's less less certain of a path for 1917. But maybe that's reading too deep into it. Well, another one of another one of those is like best visual effects, because usually they give that to the best picture nominee if there is one, and both The Irishman and 1917 are in there, but if neither of those win, then it's sort of like Ex Machina beating The Revenant and Mad Max Fury Road in that category, and then we really have no idea what, what's going to happen. It's there, There's like a few categories where it's like, if this happens, then we have a really good uh, idea of where it's going. Like, if Jojo Rabbit wins costumes, then... I mean, th- I mean, it depends on what order they put them in in the in the show, but I mean, you can almost have these like little spoiler alerts throughout. Yeah, I have a hard time believing 1917 won't win visual effects. I I could see it not winning production design though. I I think Once Upon a Time has production design, but with everything that was done, I mean, it's it's Hollywood. That they, they he redesigned Hollywood. They built a house in Parasite. And then in Parasite, they built a house. Well, that's why it's such a competitive category, because you have some really solid, at least three really solid nominees in that category that I think are somewhat a barometer of where voters' tastes are. Now, we know that the the voters like to spread the wealth a little bit, and this may be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's, maybe maybe it's second win. Maybe it's only going to win two Oscars, but... um, I don't know. I, I feel like if 1917 wins, that's a check mark that it's uh, it's doing as expected and, and it's on its way to Best Picture. But, uh, you know, th- this is a category to watch. A category to watch. That's that's what we'll call this. Well, let's talk about uh, another couple categories uh, that are below the line um, Oscar categories that really aren't going to affect the Best Picture race or affect anything like what we've just been talking about. But I find these races fascinating. And I wanted to get your your quick take on it before we get into get into the major uh, awards. First, I want to talk a little bit about documentary because I think this is going to be a really interesting race. You've got in documentary, you've got American Factory, For Sama, Honeyland, The Cave, and The Edge of Democracy. Um, and really, I think there's a case that could be made for all five of these to win. Um, Zach, where do you think this is going to go? Yeah, I agree with you that it's a pretty compelling race. Um, I would still put my money on uh, American Factory because uh, I think Academy voters are going to love to pat themselves on their back giving the award to Barack Obama, even if they watch this movie or if they don't watch it. See, that's the biggest thing that it has going for it, is that it, it's yeah. the movie backed by the Obama's production company. And, and you know, is, are they going to be there? I mean, is it going to be a cool moment of recognizing uh, the former president in the in the audience yeah I, I could easily see that Todd what do you think well uh, well the, the case for American Factory is odd because yeah you could give it to the production company of Obama but it's also the only one of the five that is in and about the United States so if you're trying to diversify in any way then that's like the wrong message you want to give by giving it to the one that's called american something when you have four foreign documentaries that are that are in the race but i i haven't seen honeyland i'm sure it's great but i i mean it, they all, all these movies are really interesting movies the cave is pretty awesome yeah i mean i i had four some in my top 10 that that's the one i'm gonna be rooting for but 
I mean, Ty, you mentioned Honeyland. Honeyland pulled off a very rare double feat of being nominated for documentary and international film. Um, and and then you have you have the Edge of Democracy, which uh, many might look at and find quite topical. I mean, it, it's a it's an interesting race that any any of these movies you could really you could really see winning and not be shocked by. So the right, other. Yeah, what was the other category, Terry? The other category I wanted to look at was animated feature because I think that the the race here is fascinating. Where so, animated feature you got How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World, I Lost My Body, Klaus, Missing Link, and Toy Story Four. And coming into this race, everyone thought it was going to be Toy Story Four or Frozen Two. Then Frozen Two gets snubbed and Klaus gets in. Then Missing Link wins the golden globe then klaus wins the bafta and the annies and if you talk to most critics they'll say the best of the group is i lost my body so um where who's who's winning i mean i i can't see i can't see klaus this random netflix movie about the origins of santa coming out on top but it everything's pointing to that zach what are you thinking yeah, I, I would still stick with the favorite, which is Toy Story 4. Um, I don't think you see a whole lot of upsets in this category. I think there have been weak years for this category, and we could maybe call 2019 a weak year. But you look back on some of the weak years, and it does tend to be the the, the Disney Pixar film that still wins. I think about the, the, big, the big Hero 6 year and the Brave year. I think those were fairly weak years, and by process of elimination, it was the Disney film that still won out. So I, I still think Toy Story 4 is a fairly so- solid favorite in this category. But is it the favorite? I mean, with, with all the momentum behind Klaus right now, winning the last couple precursors right before the Oscars, Todd, what are you thinking? Well, I don't know. Well, three of these movies are legitimately bad, but I don't... I I've, I mean, Toy Story 4 really should win, and I think I would still probably predict it, but I, I don't know. I mean, they've done weirder things. That'd be a pretty big win for Netflix, I, but if they Klaus won, but I don't know. I, I could hope that I Lost My Body still has a chance, but I really don't think it does. Yeah. And it'd be nice for La- Laika to get an award, but I mean, this is like by far their worst movie, so I wouldn't want Missing Link. But to it's like the first win. time they've gotten some recognition too, because they won they won the Golden Globe. Yeah, I guess. And then I mean, there's no buzz behind How to Train Your Dragon, but it's it's a completion of a trilogy that's been a well a well loved franchise so far, and it has yet to get any recognition for it. So. I don't know. I think there's a compelling case that can be made for all of them. Um, and I honestly don't know where I'm going for uh, for who I think is going to win that one. But let's uh, let's get out of the, uh, the below-the-line categories and get into the big awards and talk about who, um, who should win, who we think is the best of the five, uh, or nine when we get to picture. Um, what should have been nominated in here, and then we'll talk about uh, who we think will win. So, uh, we're starting out with Best Adapted Screenplay, and the nominees there are Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, The Irishman, and The Two Popes. And uh, I'm going to go first. I think what should win out of this, my favorite of these screenplays is Jojo Rabbit. Um, it's one of my, it's you know, one of my top five of the year. It is such a, such a unique take 
on uh, on such a horrific time in history, but finds humor, heart, and uh, and uh, a great message out of it that we hadn't heard before in that story. So I'm I'm going I'm going Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I think should win. Um, that that's what that's where I'm going. Zach, how about you? Yeah, I. Uh, so we're doing should win. Yeah, should win. Um, what do you I, think should win? Um, I think this is a relatively weak category. Um, Jojo Rabbit was a movie that that broke my top ten list, so I think by default I kind of have to lean that way as well. Even though I don't think the strength of that movie was necessarily its screenplay. The only other one that I would really maybe give pause and think about was was the Two Popes, which I thought had some. Some pretty good writing in it, but I think it was also helped by really good direction and acting. But I think if you're just looking at at the at the screenplay, um, I mean, I guess the again the overall quality of the movie wins out. So I would I would go with Jojo Rabbit. I know Todd won't yeah. though. I would probably put the two popes second as well. That'd probably be my runner up as well. Todd, how about you? Well, I think the best achievement in the category is the Irishman. Uh, I mean, it was in my top ten. I. I love the movie, and, like, the screenplay had to have been really difficult to actually write, but, I mean, I would like to see Greta Gerwig win if she didn't win for Lady Bird. I I, I think it'd be cool, a cool moment to, if she won the Oscar, but I, I, on, I my, my pick would honestly be uh, Stephen's Aliens, The Irishman. What a shocker. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that again at some point, because I, I really think it, that's one that will grow on me as I watch it more, but, um, as of right now, I can't do it. Okay, sounds like it. Who should have? Who should have been nominated? Our our favorite pick for what should have been here, and for me, I'm gonna go with another movie that was in my top ten, and that is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, I thought this was such a such an interesting way of of giving a uh, of giving a biopic on uh, on Mr. Rogers, and. Um, and tying it in, I thought it, it was such a just a unique way of the best biopics seem to be the ones that just give that little snapshot of history, and this did a good job of that. Even though it, well, and I mean, it's it's telling like the true story of the writing of this this article that it was based on. So um, I would say, I mean, it kind of like you said, Zach, it, it was a somewhat weak year for adapted screenplays. But if I had to pick one that that could have cracked this top five i'm gonna go a beautiful day in the neighborhood what are you thinking yeah i mean this is just i think a really weak year for adapted screenplays i really don't have a lot of adapted screenplays in in my top 10 list um the movie i would go with is a movie that uh went really under the radar this year and you know didn't really get a lot of uh oscar attention even though it had a lot of good reviews and that is uh Kristen Petzold's movie Transit, which is based on uh, a 1944 novel by Anna Segers. But what's kind of cool about Transit is that um, the novel took place in World War II and Petzold adapted the screenplay to take place in contemporary, this sort of contemporary uh, dystopian uh, France, which I thought was a kind of interesting adaptation or twist on it. So that's a movie I would have liked to have seen. Again, no chance in hell, but you know, it's a weak year. Why not reach out a little bit instead of just rely on subpar nominees? Well, an adapted screenplay seems to be a good spot to uh, to throw in, or just screenplay in general is a good spot to throw in some of the the below the line movies that uh, we want to see honored in some way. All right, Todd, where are you going? How many, wait? How many movies? You saw what? One hundred and seventy 
five. It's at one fifty-two. Okay. But yeah, it, it, like this is not a strong category. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't honestly have issues with transit, but so uh, that wouldn't be my choice. I, I do really like the Mustang. I thought that was a really good screenplay, but uh, my choice would be Toy Story Four. I. I mean, the, two of the four movies in the in the series were nominated. I'm not really sure why this one was left out. Like, I mean, it, it is really creative in how they're wrapping up all uh, all the characters and like bringing on new ones that feel like you feel like you've known all the time. I don't know. Toy Story Four should probably have been nominated, but uh, apparently their love is kind of running out of the. Uh, so the only cast. other one that wasn't nominated was Toy Story Two, right? Yeah. So right. Toy Story was nominated because it's the first. Toy Story 3 was nominated because it was the completion of the trilogy, and Toy Story 4 wasn't nominated because everyone looked at it and said, why do we? Why did we need a fourth one? You you already completed the trilogy. It, it made no sense. But anyways, that's my take on it. Um, okay. What, uh, now let's, we're going to go around, the, this category is one of the more interesting categories uh, of what will win. I'm going to say right now, I'm going with Jojo Rabbit. I, I think it'll be fun to see Taika Waititi get up there and, and give a give an acceptance speech at the Oscars. So I'm saying Jojo Rabbit wins. Zach, what's your prediction? What will win? Uh, I, w- I agree with you. I think Jojo Rabbit uh, wins the award in a, in a weak year. And, uh, yeah, people are kind of surprised. But uh, it's, a, it's a weak category. All right. Todd, you are our Oscar guru. What's going to win? Uh, by judging by what's happened recently, I think it's probably Jojo Rabbit. But one thing you got to remember: this category is a little uh, different sometimes. Like uh, you thought you had your favorite, or maybe a couple favorites, like up in the air, and then Precious ends up winning. So, I mean, if Precious, the Precious of this year would be like Joker. This could be a Ooh. spot where Joker shows up, and everyone's like, "What the <laughs> hell?" Like that's not even a real a good screenplay yet, and like, but it'd be the, it's a similar feeling. And yeah, and Greta Gerwig would go home empty-handed again. That would be fascinating if Joker came up and grabbed that. Just like Jason Reitman. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're off and running. Let's move into Best Original Screenplay. Uh, for that, we have 1917, Knives Out, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. For who should win... I'm saying Parasite. I mean, it's my number one of the year. Um, the fact that, that Bong Joon-ho was able to to uh, craft this incredible story um, and make a, a Korean film uh, seem mainstream to Americans is just fascinating and a feat in itself. Um, it's it's the one in this group that's really the the great achievement of uh, of filmmaking this year. So I'm in terms of in terms of screenplay at least. So I'm saying Parasite should win. Zach, what do you think should win? I uh, 100% agree with you, Terry. Right, I totally agree with you, Chairman. It's like that uh, Frank Sinatra sketch with Phil Hartman. Yeah, right. I agree with you, Chairman. Right on, Frank. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Parasite. <laughs> best original screenplay. Totally. You know what I'm talking about? That great sketch with uh, Phil Hartman as Frank Sinatra? Oh. I don't I'm, know I'm, what I'm, you're talking I'm aging, about. I'm aging myself. Okay, never mind. Yes, Parasite. you're aging yourself as being younger than me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Todd, what should win? 
It's really close between Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. I would probably say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because it's just a little bit more like the kind of movie that I like. Like I, I always give Tarantino my screenplay awards, it seems like, even though he's never actually had my number one of any year. But, uh, the, yeah, I, I love this. I love this screenplay as much as, as much as anything he's done in the last two decades. So that'd probably be my choice, just barely over Parasite. Okay. Um, but, and before we move on, uh, and there's always like the cool nominee in original screenplay. So I just have to give a shout out to Ryan Johnson being nominated for Knives Out is pretty awesome. And, uh, it has no chance of winning. Um, and it's, it's not the best, but it might be the most fun of the five nominees. And I think we all really enjoyed that movie. So, uh, so shout out to Knives Out. Okay. He should have been nominated for Looper. Yeah. Oh, that was a, oh, that's a good movie. Okay. Uh, what, what should have been nominated? Um, I think I know where you guys are going, so I'm trying, I think I might go in a different direction. Or just go with it. Uncut Gems should have been nominated. Um, how in the world was this left out? Um, and completely shut out. How is it completely shut out? That's one of the things I've heard is one of the criticisms of this shortened Oscar season and and having the, the ceremony so soon is it might have been the reason why so many... Um, why you have so many or such few movies getting the nominations... I mean, you had four movies get double-digit nominations this year, and you had a lot of those smaller movies that usually kind of rise up and grab a nomination or two didn't get a chance to uh, because everything was so short and sh so condensed that maybe some of the voters didn't get a chance to see everything. Um, and Uncut Gems, I think, is a casualty of that. So it, I mean, it should have been here. Safdie Brothers should be celebrating their first Oscar nomination and probably first of many. Um, so... Zach, do you agree with me? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not going to argue that, seeing as that it was my number one movie of the year. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, again, two, two thumbs up, Terry. You're, you're on a roll. Um, I, I'm going to go a slightly different direction, though. Um, you know, if I had a vote, sure, I'd vote for Uncut Gems, but a movie that was also really unfairly overlooked overall at the Oscars, and I think particularly in the screenplay category, was Lulu Wang's screenplay for The Farewell, which was a movie that probably should have gotten several other nominations. Maybe we'll talk about some of those other nominations in other categories, but um, it's a screenplay that was originally developed for This American Life, and uh, it's a movie that got universally praised. It's obviously a very personal screenplay based on the, the filmmaker's own family and her experience experiences with her grandmother um and uh yeah it, it's it's shock it's shocking that this movie was so ignored and uh it's a really good screenplay uh really heartfelt and um emotional and uh compelling so it's, it's disappointing to see this off i would have liked to have seen a nomination for it that was the other one i was gonna say was the farewell i was debating between those two so i'm glad you mentioned it all right todd are you gonna agree with us or are you gonna pick something different i i can't say anything other than uncut gems that was it was my number five of the decade. I, it was, I don't know. I, 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 I could try to make a case for like the art of self defense, but at the same time, that was never going to have a chance. Like, I mean, the farewell is pretty good, but I don't know. I like uncut gems was the movie. It was. It was. Um, are you enjoying this? Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, this might be the more interesting question. What is going to win? What will win original screenplay? 
and I think uh, oh, this is a this is a two maybe three horse race. I'm gonna say Quentin's gonna pull pull his third Oscar for screenplay out and win for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's what I'm saying right now. That's what I think will win. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, this is a really tough category to predict. I I think it's kind of similar to production design. This this will tell you I think a lot about how the nights how the evening is gonna go, particularly for not just Parasite but but for 1917. Um, I also agree with you, Terry. I think uh, Tarantino is going to get uh, another screenplay Oscar, in part because um, this may be his biggest award for the night. Yeah. Well, and and I feel like there there might be some of that. We don't know what his tenth movie is going to be, and this might be our last chance to to uh, honor him because he said he's only going to make ten movies. Um, yeah. I'll, and plus. I can't remember a foreign film winning screenplay with the exception of Talk to Her, which was a really random best original screenplay award winner back in 02, but I... What, what about that short that short film that won screenplay in the 50s? Oh yeah, The Red Balloon, the Balloon. that didn't have any dialogue in it? Yeah, that, that was, that, that's pretty freaking random. Also, I heard this would, uh, this would tie Tarantino with Woody Allen for the most screenplay wins of all time, with three. Isn't Billy Wilder F3? I don't know. I mean, my, my source may be wrong. Who knows? Well, maybe the, maybe Woody Allen, Woody Allen does have three, but maybe... Maybe it's three know. original screenplay wins. Right. Right. Todd, what's going to win? I, I mean, after the BAFTA gave it to Parasite, I'm really, I'm really struggling with this because, I mean, it really is one of those... One of those really close races. I think Once Upon Time, Once Upon Time in Hollywood probably would win, but if Parasite wins, then I mean, we might there might be a, a you know, an actual run of awards that it could win and maybe take Best Picture. But Once Upon Time in Hollywood probably is the more traditional choice. But I mean, Tarantino didn't win for Inglorious Bastards. They gave it to their favorite movie of the year that wasn't really a screenplay Mark, Mark uh, achievement in The Hurt Locker. And then, but then the next time he made a movie, he beat Mark Bull. But I mean, but they also like gave this category to Milk over like actual screenplays too. So I mean, that could be the case for 1917. I think. But I think once upon time, once upon time in Hollywood, I think will eventually win it. But I mean, it's it's gonna be close. Quentin really hates Mark Bull. I don't think that he's ever gotten over that. I would love to hear Quentin unhinged about his opinion about Mark Bull. I think he thinks Mark Bull is a hack. Now, if Quentin wins again, are we going to get another speech about him just thanking himself because he wrote? Yes, it and there's no it's going to be the exact. It's going to be the exact <laughs> same speech he always gives. Okay, guys, thank you. You know, it's really hard to write to thank people because so much of it is what I come up with. All right, and so I want to thank myself, and I want to thank Leo. He's a real cool dude. It's not bad. That's not bad. That's one of your better ones, actually. Thank you very much. It's, it's not quite, not quite Connery, but um, he might try to be cool like Brad Pitt and call Leo LDC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only only Brad Pitt could pull something like that off. All right, uh, let's move into the acting categories, which are like the least amount of drama in terms of who's going to win. But uh, the other conversations might be kind of fun. So let's uh, start with best supporting actress. Uh, nominated here, we've got Florence Pugh for Little Women, 
Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Laura Dern for Marriage Story, Margot Robbie for Bombshell, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. So, who should win? I am going to go with... Uh, of these five, I'm probably going to go with Laura Dern. I, th I thought her performance just was outstanding. It, it, it brought something completely different to that movie. I don't know if I've ever really seen her in a role quite like that before. Um, the, the monologue she gives about what it means to be a mother is one of the best scenes of the year, I think. So, uh, who should win? I'm of these five. I'm gonna say Laura Dern. Zach, how about you? Well, I don't give awards out to Legacy Awards, so I'm gonna go with Scarlett Johansson and Jojo Rabbit. Um, in part because I've only seen three of these performances, and uh, I think she she did something different in uh, Jojo Rabbit. She's a double nominee this year. She's long overdue. Um, I think sometimes Legacy Award. Well. <laughs> You know. Jeez, Zach. <laughs> I mean, she's had quite a career, so obviously she deserves it. By the way, at no point in my in my rambling about Laura Dern did I say she's deserved one for a long time, yet I'm accused of giving the Legacy Award, and like the second thing out of your mouth is she she's deserved one for a long time. Well done. Yeah, I think the problem is I need alcohol, you know? I think that, like, just... It just puts me in enough of a uh, sort of buzz state to have more coherence than this uh, unbearable sobriety. So, with that in mind, ScarJo should be the winner. <laughs> All right, Todd. What, uh, what legacy award are you giving? Well, I don't actually think any of these performances are that great. I don't nominate any of them. Uh I don't think Scarlet is very good at all. I, 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 I probably just say Margot Robbie because I nominate her for the other movies she gave this year, or other movies she was in this year, and so, I mean, I thought she was really good in Bombshell. I don't buy her character, but I bought her as that character. It was, uh, I thought she was good, but I mean, she should have been nominated for Hollywood. So, so you're saying she should win because she should be winning for something else? Yeah. Okay. Sure. I mean, I mean, it's not, it's not at least it's not in another category. It'd be like Leo winning for Blood Diamond. <laughs> All right. So uh, for what should have been nominated, um, my pick is. It, it's pretty obvious what my pick is. Uh, there, there was only one that I could think of, and that's Zhao Shuzhen for the farewell. Uh, the awesome grandmother to Aquafina. Uh, she stole that movie, and when I left the theater after that, that was the one thing that stuck with me for so long was her performance, and seeing her going around the awards, uh, the award season, and seeing her at, at you know at all these banquet tables and stuff, it just made me happy, and it made me so sad that she didn't get in. She totally should have been nominated. It would have been awesome to see, um, and I think it was probably the best supporting actress uh, performance of the year. So. Zhao Shuzhen should be in there. Zach, how about you? Okay, uh, there's a number of supporting actress, better supporting actress performances than any of these five, so it's a tough one to kind of narrow down, but I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Julia Fox from Uncut Gems, a movie that we've 
already talked about. Uh, she's amazing in this movie. Um, I mean, Adam Sandler, the Sandman deserved a nomination, obviously, and obviously he didn't get it. And the Sandman's mom did get a nomination, though. Uh, but Julia Fox really stole the show in this movie, and uh, she she kept the pace up with, with the Sandman and, uh, and was awesome. And, um, of course, this movie got no love, which is tragic, but she deserved to get some recognition. Let's call it like the Bria Vinate Out of Nowhere Best Supporting Actress nominee award. The Bria Vinate Award. We can just leave the it The Bria Vinate Award. Exactly. Out of Nowhere. Has she been in another movie since the, since Florida Project? Uh, no, but uh, she has an active Instagram presence. <laughs> Zach, do you have an Instagram just to follow Bria Vinate? I may. I, it's, a, it's a burner account. It's like Kevin Durant. <laughs> All right, Todd, what should have been nominated? Uh, I think I said this on, like, one of the podcasts previously. It, I, I think Sodan Park from Parasite was the best supporting actress performance of the year. She was awesome. Uh, I, I honestly think there are, like, three supporting actress performances in that movie that could have been nominated. But uh, Sodan Park, I thought, was was just... It, it, I it, Playing a character like that at, at that age... And, and making it so mature and yet so interesting at the same time. She was she was perfect. You are talking about the sister, right? Okay. Yes. Just making sure. I d I don't have the care the, the actors' names memorized quite yet from, from Parasite, so Alright. So, uh this is pretty easy. Uh who will win? Uh Laura Dern. Zach? Laura Dern, um, but I I don't think it's a total runaway. But you know, I'm just hedging my bets. I want I want to sound coherent. If the if, if the unthinkable happens, you heard it and here, it, folks. You you heard it here first. You, you sure but, there's but, no, nothing in that cup, bud? Oh, I wish. <laughs> I have to be up in like six hours, so uh, there better not be. Yeah, I mean the the. This year, like, all four acting categories completely swept the season. So it would be a shocker, if anything else. So, Todd, what's going to win? Yeah, Laura Dern's going to win. I It would be weird if Scarlet won for Jojo Rabbit, but I think that's the only one that would have any chance at upsetting it. And that's only if there's, like, a really big wave of Jojo love that's coming. See, the, the thing about Laura Dern is I actually don't think she's that great in, in that movie. I think she kind of um, is very showy, and the role's kind of exaggerated and overwritten in a movie that I think has, um, in other places, a lot of subtlety. So it could be like a Lauren Bacall thing where, like, you know, the actress is long overdue, obviously, but maybe it's just not the right role. But, again, you know, one, one in, you know, 200,000 chance. <clears throat> okay. Let's move on. Best supporting actor. Or it could be Kathy Bates would be like Alan Arkin winning over Eddie Murphy. That was, that was yeah. another one that was just sort of out of nowhere and That's there was true. nothing leading up to it that, that yeah. would suggest. That's, that's a good point. All right. And that happened in supporting actor. So let's talk about supporting actor. Our nominees here, we've got Al Pacino for The Irishman, Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes, Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joe Pesci for The Irishman, and Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, so my vote for who should win, uh, I'm I'm gonna go with a beautiful day in the neighborhood again and say Tom Hanks. Um, I mean he's always been one of my favorite actors. 
It is so nice to see him finally actually get nominated again after he's been snubbed for the past 20 years. Um, I, I still hold to his snub for Captain Phillips is one of the most unthinkable snubs like of Oscar history. Um, but, uh, but he does, I, I mentioned it several times, he captures the essence of Fred Rogers so well, uh, better than I ever thought he could. I really was skeptical going into this and, and seeing him in that role. And all he did was prove why he's he's the best and has been the best for a very, very long time. So Tom Hanks is my pick for who should win. Zach. Okay, my pick for who should win is Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a movie that uh, I did not love, but I thought he was the best part of the movie. Had Quentin Tarantino, had Sally Menke lived, she might have said to Quentin, let's tone down the other crap and just focus on Brad Pitt, and I think it would have made it a tighter movie. Um, And he's really good in it, and let's be honest, no one else could take off that shirt fixing the antenna and look quite like Brad Pitt at his age. And that's why he's winning, just like the artist won because of the dog. No one ain't no one want to admit it, but we all know the truth. Once upon a time in Hollywood's not winning because of the dog? No, no, the artist won because of the uh, You know what I'm saying. There's an awesome dog in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood too. That is true. <laughs> And, and no, and it's it's no it's no accident that the dog scenes were with Brad Pitt, the best part of the movie. I mean the way that the way that he makes that dinner for that dog is pretty remarkable. It puts Bradley Cooper's dinner for the dog in A Star Is Born to shame, which is saying saying something. Dude, you had to go there, man. Come on, Todd, man. Todd, Todd and I had a long text exchange about uh, Bradley Cooper's dog in A Star Is Born. I can't remember what we were talking about, but. <laughs> me neither <laughs> alright Todd who uh, who should win I think it's Joe Pesci it's so different than any other role he's done and he just he has that aura about him where you just can't you can't take your eyes off of him when he's on screen he owns every scene that he's in and he doesn't really do a whole lot to make that happen it's just he just is that character and I, I, it was my best sporting actor winner of the year. Brad Pitt would be is the perfect choice too, but Pesci I, I would be the one that I would vote for. Yeah, Pesci would probably be my runner-up. Um, but I, I actually, I really like all five of these performances. I do. Yeah, I have no problem with any of the nominees. They're all, they're all great performances, great actors, great yeah. movies. All right, so uh, who should have been nominated? Uh, man. There are there are several I want to go with, um, but which one am I gonna pick? I am gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Daniel Craig for Knives Out, just because that movie deserved more love. And he is I mean going into it, it was another one where I w- I was skeptical and how distracting is this going to be? But he he's able to pull off that accent and have a very deep nuanced character um that's that's sleuthing around figuring out what's going on um and it's just such a fun performance i mean it's it's been it it's been a while since you've had just a fun a fun performance like that get a nomination for something like this so i'm going i'm going daniel craig for for knives out um and uh yeah leaving off is that not more lead 
I, I almost would say it's Well, late. wasn't he nominated for Supporting Actor at the Globes? Or I guess it was Actor, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, then maybe I shouldn't say Daniel Craig. All right. I'm changing it. Gosh dang it, Todd. Um, okay. I'm going to say Sam Rockwell, Jojo Rabbit. That was so much fun. <laughs> I love that performance. And I, and it, it's it's funny because, you know, he's gotten nominated what? Two out of the last he's three. He's Richard Jewell, too. Yeah, and Richard Jewell, too. Yeah. Actually, he might be better in Richard Jewell. But um, he's been nominated two out of the last three, and potentially the, the two performances he gave this year are better than the two he'd been nominated for before. So um, he should have been nominated this year for one of the two. Zach, what do you got? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Jesse Plemons for El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, or as Todd would call it, El Camino, a Breaking Bad non-movie. Um Jesse, TV movie. TV movie. A Breaking Bad TV movie. <laughs> I mean, Jesse Plemons is. Uh, well, I guess we could we could say that he would be a legacy award because uh, he's been in, in so many great movies lately, and yet no nominations. It's it's a tragedy. Um, and he's amazing in this movie. Um, he steals the show in every scene he's in, and uh, it's it's long overdue. And if you don't want to give it to Jesse Plemons because you really do want to do this legend legendary award bullshit lifetime achievement award, then at least give it to Robert Forrester, who is uh, equally great in El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. If it's a movie, I'm surprised some people didn't vote for uh, Jesse Plemons just because they thought Matt Damon deserved another Oscar. Jesse Plemons looks just like Matt Damon. And they so both they look think like it's the Matt pr- Damon, so they They both yeah. look like the guy that ran on stage when Moonlight won Best Picture. Maybe all three of them can present together. There we go. There we go. And they also are who we would say would play Adam Daly in a movie. <laughs> uh yep. Todd, who should have been nominated? Okay, I have two. One of them is Dean Charles Chapman from 1917. Mm-hmm. I think it's strange that that movie just got ignored completely from all acting awards throughout all the entire season. I don't think it was mentioned a single time, but he was he was great in his like in the as the the friend. Who, I don't know. He he's in like half the movie, so I guess he'd be supporting. And the other one, Shia LaBeouf in Honey Boy, because. Mm-hmm. That had to be really cathartic for him to do, and 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 it was it was really volatile. I thought he was also awesome in American Honey, but I think he shows something different in this movie that he actually can be that volatile. And I he said that he wanted uh, he wanted Mel Gibson to play his dad originally in the movie, which would have been really strange. And then Shia LaBeouf got the part <laughs> instead. But, yeah, I. Don't I... Know. But he, he does tear it up. Mel Gibson would have made it a completely different kind of movie, though. I have yet to see Honey Boy, but everything I've heard from everyone who's seen it is that Shia LaBeouf is insane and deserved some recognition. Or at least more than he got. Yeah, he's nominated the Spirit Awards, at least, so... Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, whole, the whole idea of this being a screenplay he wrote in therapy um, to, to kind of cope with just what's happened in his life it, and then he ends up playing his dad and it is just nuts um yeah i i can't wait to watch that one okay uh who will win brad pitt zach 
Uh, yeah, and uh, maybe um, Matthew McConaughey can uh, will be thanked in the speech for teaching him how to take off his shirt. I will say Brad Pitt has had some of the better speeches of award season so far. Uh, Todd? Yeah, I mean, when we reviewed Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in August, I said this is our best supporting actor winner, and uh, I still think that. Yeah, you were on top of that a long time ago. A long time ago. Uh, Alright. Moving on. Best Actress. Best Actress, we've got uh, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Renee Zellweger for Judy, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, and Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. Um, I've seen four of the five. There's only two of the acting performances I haven't seen yet. But I've seen four of the five. I will say, uh, with the one I haven't seen being Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. Uh, who should win? Um... I mean, it might be a traditional, typical biopic, but Renee Zellweger was so good. She was so good as Judy Garland. It was it was creepy. Um, I mean, it it was it was the perfect actress at the perfect time to play that perfect role. Um, yeah, it it and uh, and really made the movie as good as it was um, without her in it. I mean, it's definitely one of the higher war performances of the year. Uh, so I'm going Renee Zellweger for Judy should win. Zach, what about, what about you? Uh, I've only seen two of these performances. Um, and I'm going to go with Shearsha Ronan in Little Women. Not because I actually thought she was that great in it, but because she should have won for Brooklyn. And Lady Bird. Legacy Award. Yeah, but mostly Brooklyn. She's got to win sometime, right? <laughs> And yes, Todd, once again, he's giving a legacy award. And I, and I already voted for Scarlett Johansson, so, you know, let's You don't want her to be the double winner? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm averse to legacy awards, so I'm going to say no. Yeah, and so instead you're going to give it to Sersha because she should have won for something else. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Todd, who should win? I, I mean, I've seen all five. I think it's probably Scarlet. I, 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 I that that movie is like totally my kind of movie, and she, her performance is devastating and believable. And I, I didn't know that she actually had that in her. So I, I think she gave the best and probably the showiest performance of the of the five. All right, all right. What should have been nominated? Oh, there's a variety of performances that should have been nominated here. Uh, the one I'm going to go with was probably one of the more jaw-dropping performances um, this year. And that was, and I was hoping that she could ride this to a nomination. It almost did. I'm going with Lupita Nyong'o for Us. Uh, playing that double role, I mean, it, it was astounding to see what she was able to do with that movie and you could just tell she was having a blast uh portraying these two separate characters um and oh i was rooting for her to to get in and and slide into a nomination just missed out but um but yeah that's my should have been nominated us zach how about you 
Okay, I'm going to try to stick to a relatively realistic nomination. I've said on the podcast that I, I thought the best performance maybe in any movie this year was uh, uh, Sienna Miller for um, American Woman. But a realistic person who had a shot at getting nominated for this award would have been Florence Pugh for Midsummer. Obviously, that movie uh, did not get a lot of Oscar steam, but um, had, the, had it gotten a later release date, I feel like she would have been maybe more of a contender. She's excellent in the movie, and it's her, her breakout year, so it would have made sense for her to get nominated. Um, and uh, unfortunately, she didn't. She was nominated in another uh, role, but uh, she was much better in Midsummer, in my opinion. All right. Todd, who should have been nominated? A lot of them... A lot of the lead female performances for me that I loved were all pretty obscure. The one that's probably least obscure was Elizabeth Moss and her smell. It's a uh, that was, I mean, I don't know. She she gives so so many her every movie she's in is just so different and so kind of bizarre and I don't know this this I don't know. It could have it was an indie movie. It could have gotten some steam if it had the right campaign, but I don't know. It was never going to get nominated, I guess, but I, I love Elizabeth Moss, and she has these weird movies that uh, I always think she's awesome in. Yeah, and there there was some late pushes for that, but uh, it ended up not not going not going anywhere, not getting getting far enough. Okay, that leaves us to who will win. I mean, it's it's Renee Zellweger, Zach. Well, you know, last year we uniformly voted for Glenn Close, and we were sort of like, this is not even a contest, it's over, um, and we just kind of disregard everything. I mean, those things do happen, but they do happen also once in every blue moon. I kind of compare this to like the, the, the last couple of Super Bowls with the Patriots. You know, the Eagles beating the Patriots was a pretty big upset. It couldn't happen two years in a row with the Rams, so I want to say Scarlett Johansson. I think Scarlett Johansson has a has a shot, but I just don't see that kind of upset in this category happening two years in a row. So reluctantly, I, I agree with you, Terry. I think it will be Renee Zellweger. Yeah, but Olivia Coleman won the BAFTA, though. Renee Zellweger has won everything. Yeah, I, I there, mean, there, yeah, there a, is no indication. Point. Jared yeah, Goff no. is also a terrible quarterback. <laughs> Uh, just, just had got to throw that out there. We're, Let's if make we're sure sticking everybody facts knows. here. If we're but, sticking you know. facts. <laughs> All right, Todd, who's gonna win? Well, the thing that made Glenn Close different is that nobody saw her movie, so I can't. That was probably why I didn't get enough votes, because people just hadn't hadn't seen it. But I, people did see Judy, and I, I think she's going to win. Plus, like Scarlett can win in another category potentially. Cynthia Revo can win another category potentially. So I, I think it's kind of by default. Yeah, and and Renee's got the got the narrative behind her. You know, the comeback role has been out of the out of the scene for a while. I mean, she yeah, she's gonna get this. All right. She's already won though, so it's not it's not that vital to give it to her. That's true. But, but they're going to anyway. Yeah, they're going to anyway. All right. Uh, before we get to our last three categories, uh, I want to uh, review something uh, here on the podcast and and uh, get it out there, let the people decide. And uh, that is, uh, I want to review some of Todd's predictions from last January for this Oscar race that we are wrapping up right now. So Todd, every oh every January 
puts out a way too early one year in advance Oscar predictions. And I, I'm just I'm gonna throw it out there. The fact that he gets any of these right is an accomplishment in itself. So this came out on January 10th, 2019. So we're gonna go through the categories that we've done so far and and see how how he did here. So for best adapted screenplay, uh, Todd, you got one out of five right. Do you, do you have any idea which one you got right? It was probably the Irishman. It was not the Irishman. It was Little Women. Uh, um, yeah, I must. I probably excluded the Irishman because I had talked about it the year before. Or something. Yeah, that could be. So your your winner was going to be the Goldfinch. And then um, your other nominees were the Good Liar, Little Women, The Kitchen, and Earthquake Bird. Yeah, a couple of those were bad stabs. <laughs> yeah, they they were. <laughs> but hey, it was a stab a year early. It wasn't too bad. Uh, for best original screenplay, you got two of the five right. In, in back in January, can you guess which two? Uh, Hollywood <coughs> and I don't know. <laughs> Probably maybe Knives Out. Nineteen seventeen. Oh. So you had you had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood winning. So it's going to be impressive if that end, ends up winning. That you had that in the bank in January. Um, your other three nominees, other than the you know Hollywood in seven, 1917, were were not good stabs. You had uh, Triple Frontier and High Flying Bird, which were early Netflix releases, and uh, did nothing. And then Wendy, which is about to come out. So um, Wendy. Yeah. The yeah, Ben Zeitlin, uh, uh, yeah, Peter Pan movie. Okay, uh, best supporting actress. Tidy got one of the five right. That is Florence Pugh for Little Women. Uh, yeah, your I winner knew that. was what? I knew. I knew, knew that. I knew, she had the best role. I knew that. Like, yeah, I knew that a year ago. <laughs> yeah, your your other nominees were were not so good. Uh, your your winner was Sanaa Lathan for Native Son. Yeah, that and, ended up being uh, an HBO movie. Yeah. Then you had Kate Blanchett for Where'd You Go, Bernadette, which ended up being a lead performance. She got a Golden Globe nomination for, for comedy. Uh, Kate McKinnon for the untitled Danny Boyle project, which turned out to be yesterday. And she was not the lead. And she well it was supporting. Oh supporting. This is supporting. No. Yeah. And then uh and then of course Judy Dench for cats. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just had to throw that in. There. On paper, it was probably still a bad idea, but it was Judy Dench. <laughs> it was Judy Dench. Uh, you had to go for it. I mean, you went you went with with uh, two Kates and a Dame, even though one of the Kates was the wrong Kate. But uh, mm. yeah, yeah. Okay, best supporting actor. You didn't get any of them right, but you had some really good some really good uh, ideas here. So your winner was Daniel Craig for Knives Out, who I tried to put in this category just a little bit ago. Um, <laughs> then you had Ed Harris for Resistance. Yeah, I don't know uh, what happened to that movie. Yeah, I don't know. I've never even heard of it. Uh, I think he's Shia playing LaBeouf. Stalin. Or no, not Stalin, Patton. I think he's playing Patton in that movie. Okay. You had Shia LaBeouf for Honey Boy. Um, yep. For a while, there was a universe that uh, the favorite in this category was Sterling K. Brown for Waves, and you had him in there back in January. And then uh, Bruce Willis for Motherless Brooklyn, which really became a film that was completely forgotten when it came to award season. So, Yeah. 
And then best actress, uh, I'll reveal the rest as we go along, but best actress, you had two of the five. Do you know which two? Uh, Cynthia Revo and uh, Renee Zellweger. Those are the two. Yeah, you had Cynthia Revo as your winner. Um, and then you had Anne Hathaway for the last thing he wanted. Yeah, and no that again that got that yeah that got delayed a second time, and now it apparently sucks. Apparently, uh, then you had Amy Adams for the woman in the window. Uh, yeah. Which is, is <laughs> that? A, did that actually come out? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might might have might have. And then uh, then the last one you had was Gemma Arterton for Summerland. Yeah, I don't even know if that actually got made. <laughs> the woman in the window comes out this May. <laughs> what was what was it called? Summerland. Summerland, with uh, Gemma yeah, I Arterton. I don't see it. I don't see it on IMDb. Maybe look under Gemma Arterton. <laughs> Maybe change titles. Oh, you know, I see it. Yeah, there's no. Uh, it says completed, but no, uh, no release date. Well, Still no release date. Well, I I usually don't do. I don't include something unless it actually has that year listed as its release year. So it must have at some point said 2019, or at least when I did the prediction. So. Anyways, I wanted no to throw shame. these out there just to just to, I mean, one, I think you do a pretty good job. Of, of January predictions and in in case you're wondering yes his 2021 January Oscar predictions are now posted on our website so you can go check those out um, ju- just to give a little a little taste Todd what's your what's your early 2021 best picture winner uh, it was it was called news of the world it's a movie it's a Paul Greengrass movie. Oh, it's been a while since we've honored Greengrass. I think it's Tom Hanks. I, I don't actually remember at this at this moment. I wrote that a little while ago. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm really good at putting you on the spot on this stuff, so I, I think you're doing an admirable job. Okay. Well, let's get back into uh into uh the actual nominees and uh and Todd, I'll I'll I'll, I'll give you a little uh, where you went wrong here in a little bit again. Okay. Let's go to let's go to best actor. And best actor we've got uh, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, uh, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, Jonathan Price for The Two Popes, and Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Who should win? I say is Adam Driver. Uh, I was just totally taken in by his performance in Marriage Story. Um, and and really he had it was one of those years that he he had such a great year that it needed to be recognized and i wish i wish he was he was coming away with uh with a win here i think it, it's pretty safe to say he's he's the runner-up um in this category but um but yeah that was of these five performances that was my favorite how about you zach yeah, it's a tough one for me. It's between Adam Driver and Jonathan Price, but I think in the end I would go with Adam Driver for essentially what what you said, Terry. Uh, he it's uh, it's a commanding performance. Uh, the movie, the, well, I, I think he's the more interesting character of of the of the two main characters in the movie, and uh, he really shines in both his big dramatic moments as well as subtler, more nuanced moments. And um, 
yeah, he's 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 really good. It's his and it's his best musical moment since uh, Please, Mr. Kennedy in uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Uh oh. Yes, I agree. That that that, that was a damn good imitation. <laughs> I think you have I'm the much, key right on. I am much better at that than you are. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw that out there. And I'm a baritone. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying I'm a much better mimic than you are. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I thought you were gonna say singing in his vocal range. No, I'm I'm a much better. And I was better I was mimic. gonna agree with that actually. <laughs> All right, Todd. Uh, what should win? Well, I haven't seen Pain and Glory, which is unfortunate because I'm a huge Almodovar fan. I, I feel like that could easily be the one that I would pick. But I, I, I haven't I would seen say, that either. That's the either. other one I haven't seen. I, I would say Leo, and I think it's crazy because he's somehow really underrated in this movie. Like people don't like he's not winning anything, and yet I think it's maybe his second best performance. And it's I think if he hadn't won for The Revenant, I, he probably would be winning for this. Uh, it's I, I think it's I, I think it's ridiculous how how he's not getting any love. I mean, he got nominated, obviously, but, I mean, he's underrated. He's awesome in that movie. I love the scenes of him acting. That Those are just, like, the there's that one extended scene of him and Timothy Oliphant acting through that scene, and he has to keep cutting and getting his line because he keeps forgetting, and oh, it's, it's so good. It's so good how he's just able to snap in and out of it like that. Uh, I love it. And him and the little girl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, just great stuff. Okay, um, who should have been nominated? Uh, the, this is... Hmm, I this, wonder. Well, yeah, but I, I'm looking at this. This is like one of the... One of the deepest actor races I can remember. Because you could easily put together a, a 6 through 10 list that are just as worthy as the five that got in. And I'm not arguing at all. I think all five of these performances are awesome and deserve to be there. But it, anyone from from George McKay in 1917 to uh, to Paul Walter Hauser and Richard Jewell to Robert De Niro and The Irishman uh, to, uh, oh, what was the other one I had here? You had Brad Pitt and Ad Astra could be in there. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, Just Mercy, I mean, and you have all these, but Adam Sandler, I mean, Adam Sandler and Cut Gems, he had to be there. Oh, I forgot Taron Egerton for Rocket Man. He should have been. He could have easily been in there too, and almost was. But Eddie yeah, Murphy. it's Eddie Murphy. Dolomite is my name. As as bad as Ford v Ferrari was, I didn't hate Christian Bale's performance, and he almost got into that last spot. Um, you, uh, yeah, there were, oh, goodness, there were just so many. But yeah, Adam Sandler needed that, that spot. He was so good. It was the best he's ever been. Um, and he commanded that movie in a way he really has never commanded a movie before. And, uh, but man, this, this would have been a year where I would have had no problem having a top 10 best actor list. Zach, how about you? Yeah, you know, Todd put Uncut Gems in his top five of the decade. I would put Adam Sandler's snub in the top five snubs of all time. Let, let's just put it out there because it's ridiculous. I mean, I realize you could make the argument that it's a stacked year, but I really buy your argument, Terry, that this movie just, I don't know, it came out too late, people didn't see it, whatever. Like, I think if Adam Sandler had been nominated at 
you know, at the Golden Globes and then the Oscars, I think he, he would actually have a legitimate chance of beating Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, it would be sort of like maybe Bill Murray in Lost in Translation a little bit, but, uh, you know, the, in the sense that this miss might be his one chance and his one great dramatic role, but um, it's, you know, it's obvious that this, this was the best performance in any movie uh, this year. Um, the only other one that... I, I would maybe put in, and I know this is going to annoy Todd, but I, I know you would agree with me, Terry, is uh, Shia LaBeouf for Peanut Butter Falcon. I thought he was really good in that movie. We've talked about Shia LaBeouf already on this podcast. I don't think he really had a chance at it, but if that movie had had more Oscar steam and campaigning, um, I think he would have been a reasonable candidate. I did not see Peanut Butter Falcon. Adam's the one that loves but it's a, it's But it's a Terry movie. You, you just have to trust <laughs> us. You would, you, you'll agree. Yeah. All right, Todd, how about you? Yeah, it's Adam Sandler. I think it's the best leading male performance of the decade, and I, I, it's unfathomable how he could have gotten overlooked. I mean, going from being Pip the Pool Boy to <laughs> Uncut Gems. I mean, Swimming pools? <laughs> yeah, Adam Sandler, yeah, he should be winning this category. But here's the thing. Who do you take out? I mean, th- we we just said three different ones are the ones that we would pick out of these five. You take out Jonathan um, Price, probably. Yeah, yeah. But I I I mean, take I love Leo. the fact that you got Jonathan it's Price and Antonio Banderas in there for for their first nominations of their careers, these long and storied careers. Todd just said Leo was the best of the five. I said Adam Driver was the best of the five, and I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is walking away with his award. So, I mean, so who do you who do you take out for these people? I mean. I find it appalling also that Robert De Niro got snubbed. I mean, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of The Irishman, but what he did in that movie, especially the second half of it, was unlike anything he's ever done. And and such a such a great, subtle performance that he, he deserved to be recognized in here. I mean, you, like I said, you could easily make a 10-actor a lineup in this category this year, and no one would say that it was watered down. Because there were just that many stellar, great landmark performances, and le- and let's just say it a- a- as it is: if Rami Malek doesn't win last year, Taron Egerton might be winning this year for Rocket Man. Very true. So I mean, it's 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 ridiculous just how stacked this year is, and yeah, there's so many that deserve to be in there. All right. But who's going to win? Joaquin Phoenix is going to win. Zach? Yeah, I mean, you know, Shades of 2005, Best Actor. You got Joaquin Phoenix. You got Philip Seymour Hoffman. You got Heath Ledger. RIP to the two legends. I hope he gives them a shout-out. He's been giving great acceptance speeches all season. Um, I'm sure he'll give another great one. I'm excited to see it. I hope he's a little intoxicated. That's when he gets, uh, when he gets nice and hot. My my favorite uh, my favorite acceptance speech was at the SAGs when he he gave a a specific not just you know honor to all my nominees but told a specific story for each one and I loved his his anecdote about being a kid actor and going up the legend going up against the legend of Leo for every part <laughs> and it's like it's like they didn't even want to say his name Leo's coming Leo's auditioning it, it it's yeah it was great. Uh, Todd, who's going to win? Yeah, it's going to be Joaquin Phoenix. I'm curious if he's going to say anything about his brother, because he never talks about him, but that's another 
person that pro- I mean the guy that got him into acting. So I don't that that'll be interesting to see. And it might be a, it might be a good time that he you know saving a story for him uh, for the Oscars. I could see that happening. Yeah, that's a that's a good call. And it at the, will make at the Baftas. He didn't even mention anything. He just talked about I have something political. It was about oh it's about Baftas so white. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, how <laughs> people of color aren't aren't allowed aren't aren't welcome here or something. I don't yeah. know, something weird. Um, so I I do find it interesting that once Joaquin Phoenix wins, every actor that has played the Joker over the last thirty years will have an Oscar. It's Jack Nicholson, stat. Heath Ledger, Jared Leto, Joaquin Phoenix. Not Mark Hamill though. Not Mark Hamill for his voice work, but who some might argue is the best one. Um, Do you think Joaquin Phoenix mentions ecological sanitation? I think I would put like you know, I would I put some money on that. Plus seven fifty, I'd do it. Yeah, I'd do it. You think he mentions? Uh, I just had something. I just lost it. <laughs> Well, while no, you're thinking of it, Todd, <laughs> do, do, you, uh, do you remember who you predicted in January to be the winner for Best Actor? Your oh, hint is, yeah. It, it was Antonio Banderas. It was. It was. And uh, you had one other person in your lineup that was nominated. Do you know who? I, was, I don't know. Leo? It was Leo, yeah. And the other three were, well, weren't horrible. You had Taron Edgerton for Rocketman in there. And then uh, Ian McKellen for The Good Liar. Who for who hung around the awards race for a little while until you know people saw the movie, and uh, <laughs> and then Timothy Chalamet for the King. Well, I remember I remember writing about the two popes, but at the time it was just called the Pope, and I think I had Jonathan Price listed on there somewhere, but I don't know. Didn't have him getting in. Yep. Okay. Well, then let's uh, let's get into. Best Director. So we're getting into the big awards now. Uh, the last two here. So Best Director, we've got Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Martin Scorsese for The Irishman. Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sam Mendes for 1917. And Todd Phillips for Joker. Oh, man. This is hard. Who's Who should win? Um, I mean, Bong Joon-ho is is the director of my favorite movie of the year. But I, I'm going to I'm gonna go with Sam Mendes for 1917, I think, should win, because the accomplishment of what he did with that movie and um, the filming style and just the, the scope of being able to do it, do what he did, um, was was really remarkable and, and an achievement in itself. And so um, as much as I love Parasite, I think the, the best directing achievement of the year was what Sam Mendes did with 1917. Zach, what do you what do you think? What should win? Uh, for me, it's easy. It is Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Um, these other movies, none of which made my top ten list, uh, it, you know, I, I think Bong Joon-ho clearly stands above and beyond all these other uh, nominees. It's his year. Um, you know, wrote the screenplay. Awesome. He's been building up to this universally praised, loved, beloved film. He should win easily. All right, Todd. 
Yeah, I agree with Zach. I, uh, Bong Joon-ho's direction is just perfect. I, I mean, I, I, I like Once Upon a Time on Hollywood more, but Parasite is something special, and I don't, I don't know any other director that could have made it like that. I mean, I, I love a lot of uh, Bong Joon-ho's movies, and but this one is, it's just different. And yeah, I mean, it feels mainstream, which is which is a crazy achievement for a, a South Korean, like, weird thriller. So, yeah. I, I, I think that's definitely the choice. Okay. Uh, what should have been nominated now? Um. Oh, goodness. What did I have is what should have been nominated here. Um. Da, 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 da. Again, there's so many good ones. Um. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say something that um, that you guys will will not say, and I've mentioned it several times, but I'm just gonna say it anyways. I'm gonna say Marielle Heller for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, a lot of people say she should have been nominated last year for. Uh, um, oh, what was the movie? Can you ever forgive me? Yeah, can you ever forgive me? Um, but uh, I thought. Her, she did some really unique things in how she told the story, uh, from a directing standpoint, and uh, and I mean that one of the things that was that a lot of people said once again is you had five five men get nominated and you and you had the and the one of the differences this year as opposed to other years is you had a lot of really quality films put out by women whether it's whether it's Mariel Heller Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, Lulu Wang for The Farewell, Greta Gerwig, Little Women. I mean, you had some some really, really good movies come out uh, that were made by women, and it would have been cool to see one get in there. Uh, a lot of people were clamoring for Greta Gerwig, but um, I think the best direction by a woman this year was Mariel Heller, so I'm going with that. Not for Sama? Well, documentaries never get nominated for directing, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> none, none ever have gotten on Yeah. That's why I said they never do. <laughs> never. Zach, what should have been nominated? Uh, for me, it's a fairly obvious one, short of the Safdie brothers. I mean, I think if you've been listening for all seven hours of this podcast, you realize that we were fans of that movie and would give it every nomination we could. So short, uh, besides the Safdie brothers, I would have given a nomination to Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. This is an exquisitely directed movie. Um, mm. You know, it helps. I'm sure that he wrote the screenplay, but uh, the way that the narrative is constructed and the shot selection and the, the the production design and everything about it feels it feels classic, but it's completely unpredictable and uh, unique. And uh, it has that unique Ryan Johnson style. It's a little bit hard to define. It's you know sharp writing, but also just really like fluid camera movement and just great performances. And uh, he's he's he was overlooked this year. This was a great movie that the Oscars should have paid more attention to. That's a good call, too. Todd, what about you? Alright, if we're not going with the Safety Brothers, I'll just say S. Craig Zoller for Drive Across Concrete, because I, I love his style, and that movie was a crazy movie. And Yeah, no, nobody saw it, except for the people I made watch it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, screw it, that's nice. my choice. And uh, and shout out to a couple others that we didn't mention. I mean, Noah Baumbach barely missed the lineup 
uh, for Marriage Story. Uh, Taika Waititi, Jojo Rabbit could have easily gotten in there. Um, Ari Aster for Midsummer was would have been uh, would have been cool to see get a little bit more recognition for this. Um, and then uh, is it is it James Gray for Ad Astra? I think yeah, he would have been a, he would have been an awesome one to see in there too. Uh, okay, uh, who who will win? I'm going. I mean, I'm going. Sam Mendes, 1917, will win. Zach, I'm going. Bong Joon Ho. The word on the street Ooh. is that uh, Academy voters have been very impressed with him. If we look at the track record of recent winners, we know that they tend to come from not just outside the United States, but especially non-English language native uh, countries. Bong Joon Ho is an internationally renowned filmmaker. Um, and, uh, I think, I think his speech at the Golden Globes propelled him into maybe more notoriety than he had before. And, uh, yeah, I I think he wins it. All right. Todd, where, what do you think? It's going to be Sam Mendes. I I feel like this one is inevitable. It's sort of like, uh, Damien Chazelle winning for La La Land. It's like, I mean, is, is it going to win Best Picture? That's debatable, I guess. There's there's a couple strong contenders, but, I mean, he's going to win Director. Sam Mendes is going to get his second Oscar before Tarantino and Bong Joon-ho get their first. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at when I said he should win, too, is is Parasite's a better movie, but I think a lot of people are thinking the same thing, that the, the accomplishment of the direction of, uh, of 1917 is... is is going to win out. Um, Todd, do you have any idea what you said was going to win Best Director back in January? Yeah, it was probably Tarantino. It was Tarantino. That's the only one you got right. Um, you had this strange love affair with uh, with Steven Soderbergh's High Flying Bird, which became a, a February Netflix release. And never was released in the theaters. And never was released in theaters. Uh, you did say Greta Gerwig, Little Women, and then uh, John Crowley for The Goldfinch and J.C. Chandor for Triple Frontier. The fact that that was a J.C. Chandor movie and ended up being the trash Netflix release it ended up being is quite interesting. And it was a Mark Bull screenplay. And a Mark Bull screenplay, yeah. Well, we know Tarantino didn't watch it then. <laughs> All right, moving into uh, the last category. This is the big one, and possibly the most interesting of what could happen on on Oscar Sunday. Uh, best Picture. Uh, first, Todd's predictions from January on Best Picture were winning Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's got that right. That that's getting nominated. The other one that he had, or he's got two others, right? 1917, he said, would be in the list. And Little Women, he said, would be nominated. And some of the other ones I mentioned, The Goldfinch, High Flying Bird, The Last Thing He Wanted, Triple Frontier, Native Son, The Good Liar, and The King was his uh, was his top ten that had a chance to be nominated. But three, at- three out of ten ain't bad. For a year I, in advance. I got Birdman right a year in advance. I'll never forget that. Yeah, you did. You did. But the actual nominees for Best Picture, 1917, Ford v. Ferrari, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, and The Irishman. 
What should win, I say, is Parasite. It's my number one of the year. It's nominated here. It should win. Zach. Yep, ditto. All right, Todd. Once what should upon, win? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood should win. It's my number two of the year, and yeah, I, it did not disappoint even, even the insane expectations that we put on it. Okay. What should have been nominated? Now we, mm. we all have our, our, our favorites that we're gonna that we talk about. I'm gonna go in a completely different direction here. A beautiful day what in the neighborhood. What should have been nominated <laughs> No, no, I was not gonna say Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. What should have been nominated was Avengers Endgame. Now oh, listen listen that was, here. That should have been our second guess. Avengers Endgame should have been nominated. Not only I I mean it made my top ten, but I'm saying it should have been nominated otherwise and I think the fact that the MCU, the Black Panther, is the only movie to get a Best Picture nomination is kind of ridiculous. Um, you have this movie culminating this 10-year, 22-film uh, epic that they put together. Um, and doing it in a way that was able to... That the fans really appreciated. Everyone liked this movie. Nobody hated this movie. Um, and, and I mean, look at it. Star Wars can't even complete a trilogy, and Avengers Endgame completed a 22-film epic here. Not to mention the fact that it is now the highest-grossing movie of all time. And every other movie in the last 25 years that has held that title was nominated for Best Picture and either won Best Picture or probably should have won Best Picture. And I'm talking about Titanic and Avatar. Both three-hour epic movies with a lot of special effects that fans fell in love with and went to the theater over and over and over and over and over again. Titanic wins. Avatar was the favorite up until the last second when they decided to go with Hurt Locker instead. How this did not get some Best Picture recognition. I mean, this is why that last year they were talking about putting in a Best Popular film. Because the, people, the, the films people actually go see... Uh, nobody, uh, nobody nominates anymore. I mean, this is the stuff they're going to see, and it it should be it should be recognized. And this is the perfect example. Nobody hated this movie. It should have been recognized. It should have been it should have been put on this list, uh, even if it was like its only nominee nomination. Throw it in for best picture simply because it is the most seen movie in theaters of all time. You could say most. I mean, the highest grossing film of all time. It needs to be there. I think I gave it two stars. The The problem yeah. is, Terry, that people need to have it number one of the year, and I don't think anybody, not even the biggest fanboys, think that was the number one movie of the year. Yet somehow Ford v. Ferrari gets in here. I mean, the, this, the, way, the nomination system makes no sense. Nobody's saying Ford v. Ferrari is the number one movie of the year, but There's yet it makes the top men. nine. Ugh. <sighs> Anyways, that's my rant. It should have been in the best picture lineup. Simply because simply because of that. The highest grossing movie of the year by or none of not of the year of all time deserves to be in the best picture lineup. Alright. Zach. Talk about okay. talk about Uncut Gems again. Well, Uncut Gems <laughs> is a fabulous movie. Quite a bit better than Avengers Endgame. Um, I would agree with that. And and quite a bit better than Ford v. Ferrari. It's it's the movie of the year, uh, obviously. Um, I would also put Knives Out and Midsummer as two 
pretty glaring omissions. Um, I don't understand why Knives Out didn't get more critical attention. If you're going to nominate Ford v. Ferrari, I mean, I, I guess you could start a lot of sentences by saying those words, if you're going to nominate <laughs> Ford v. Ferrari, then at least nominate something like entertaining and fun like Knives Out that can make people believe in the power of commercial cinema again. Um, but the Academy's priorities are clearly elsewhere, so... You know, not not terribly surprising. Okay, Todd, you can do the same. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, uncut gems, but I don't know. I I think Ad Astra really was one of the ones that was really just overlooked all throughout award season, and I would have liked to see that nominated because I love that movie. The uh, the Soul Sound nomination. It's like Fight Club. Another Brad Pitt movie. And tried, actually. That was also just nominated for sound. Yeah. Okay. So what is going to win? Uh, This is... uh, I've been... I've been thinking about this, like, all day. Trying to figure out what I'm going to say on here. And I really have no clue. Um... I mean, my heart wants to say Parasite, but do I really think they're going to give Best Picture to a foreign film? I, d- I don't know. Uh, the conventional choice would be 1917. I mean, it's got all the precursors leading up. It's got the momentum moving in the right direction. Um, or it, does a Dark Horse come up and, and get it for the people who don't want to go with 1917 but don't want to go with the with a foreign film too uh i'm i'm gonna uh i'm gonna say 1917 i say 1917 wins zach what do you say yeah, I'd say 1917 as well, in part because I think there's some backlash to the notion that uh, Parasite will win Best Foreign Film, or excuse me, Best International Film, and so voters feel like, some voters, especially, you know, um, American, uh, ugly American voters will think that you can't double dip like that, even though, you know, 1917 will also probably win a handful of other awards. Um, I feel like voters are pretty stupid, and uh, they probably don't watch these movies, um, if there is a case for Parasite, it's that maybe they didn't watch the screener for 1917, or maybe they did, but they didn't feel the powerful, exalting experience of seeing it in a theater, and uh, maybe they just wanted to be different and go with the movie that has all the critical praise, but I just don't see it. Um, I think they go pretty conventional this year, and it's what I've been saying since the beginning. I, pre- I predicted 1917 on the last few podcasts because it's a perfect combination of Dunkirk and Birdman, two movies that also had pretty successful Oscar formulas. So uh, for me, it's kind of a no-brainer. All right, Todd, where are you going? Well, 1917 was not nominated by the Writers Guild, and that says some or not the the, uh, the screen actors guild i mean which says something because that's the biggest branch and there were no actors even nominated so it's not like the shape of water which still got three nominations and was loved by actors i don't know that 1917 is loved by actors which could create an issue but parasite is foreign which is a which makes it different than like say moonlight which was able to with all the passion behind it uh, eventually upset La La Land, which similarly not nominated by the SAG, so I don't 
1917 is a war movie, though. It could be, I guess it's this year's Braveheart in that way. With no love by actors and still is somehow the old-fashioned choice. And I guess I would still probably predict that, but I... I'm hoping that it's Jojo Rabbit so I can win some money. <laughs> <laughs> we know what your priorities are. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, uh, I'm going to throw it out there, if, it, I mean, it's really down to those two. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I, it would, it would, it would be a surprise, but not a shock. Well, if you got and with the way the, voting goes you gotta think the movie that has the least amount of pushback there's a little bit with 1917 there is no pushback to parasite at least people who have seen it once but time in hollywood could be that two three and a lot of ballots and same with the irishman so there could be a default winner so you're thinking the irishman might end up winning best picture and nothing else and, I mean, that is a very old-fashioned choice, too. I could see that being two and three on a lot of ballots, and there still is a lot of people that, that think that that's the best movie of the year, including your boy Adnan Burke. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I like how you just throw that out there. And, and so, for the same reason I was mentioning with screenplay, though, you have, you have some momentum with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood of uh, Tarantino's Never One Best Picture. And if he's only going to make one more film, I mean, you you don't want to you don't want to wait and hope that the last one is going to be great. So and and have to give it to him there. You want to reward it. I, I mean, it, it's like it's like you're playing a you're playing a scramble golf tournament, right? And you have to get two drives from everybody. You don't want the the crappy player on your team to have to get a good drive on the 18th hole, right? You take, you, you take the drive on the 17th, even if it's not the best he could do. Just so you say it's been, we, we, we did it. I may have had experience doing this before and it's what I thought of, but it's the same thing here. You want to make sure, I mean, what if his, what if his last film was crap and then we end up never giving him best picture? How many voters are thinking of this? Once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh, some someone's thinking of it. No, no, you some... all are over. You guys are overthinking this. Go, you know, this is the movie that came out the last. It had the biggest push. It has the Oscar uh, cachet. It has the English accents. But actors it has don't the love gimmick. it. I mean, it, it, but it's not that kind of movie. So. I don't know. It, it from a concept from a conception. They, best pictures have been concept movies the last several years, and the, you know, you could so call you're them saying concept that this movies. Is just going to defy movies, everything. But, it's it's going to be this year's Slumdog Millionaire, is what you're saying. Like it just doesn't make any sense. It it just swept everything, and nobody really understands why. Well, no, I think I think it actually makes a lot of just because it didn't have acting nominations. It's just not that. It's just not that kind of movie. I mean. Uh, I, I think every in every other category, it checks it checks more, uh, off the box of being a best picture front runner. Is it a uh, is it a tribute to the power of movie making? Check. Is it British? Check. Is it uh, a, a well known director? Check. Does it have the studio behind it? Check. And does it not have a lot of pushback? Check. Does it uh, remind us of the great experiences of watching a movie in a theater and not on Netflix? Check. I think for older voters, uh, it, it check marks all those boxes, and they're not going to watch their screeners for for *Parasite*. So, I think it's an it's an easy choice for them. When was the last time a true British movie won Best Picture? Do we have to go back to *Shakespeare in Love*? No, *King's Speech*. 
Oh, King's Speech. Yeah, that's true. It's about as British as it get. So it hap- it happens like once a decade. It's about what we're saying. And it's been ten years. So, I mean, it, it, it would make sense. Uh, honestly, all three of these... All three of them I, I, make sense. All three of them make sense. Um, obviously, I think there are so many people rooting for Parasite. But I don't know if it can pull it off. And, and just as much as you were saying, Zach... You could say just as much about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, talk about a movie-going experience. Tarantino's films are events. It's about Hollywood. They love movies about themselves. Uh, Yeah, I I agree. It just didn't get released in December. I think that's the problem. True. And a lot of people thought that this was going to work against 1917, its late release, because no one saw it, and then voting started like the first week of January. But it hasn't been an issue at all. And, and now it's got the momentum right at the right time. Ugh. I really want to... I mean, I, it would be so cool to see Parasite win, but I really think... I want to switch to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've been I, That's what I've been saying all award season. You've been saying 1917. I've been saying Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm going to switch it. I'm going to say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood makes a, make, makes a surprise here. But we really don't know. Has there anything ever has have we had one this wide open before? Other than Moonlight wins Best Picture, that was just an upset. But I... where you le- you legit know going into the ceremony, I have no freaking clue what's going to win. See, I just subject to the premise of that. I think 1917 is about as heavy a favorite as we've had the last five years. I, La La Land would be the best comparison, but you know, obviously that didn't La La win, so Land maybe lost, there's something lost, to that. Yeah. I don't you know, there's something to that, maybe, but I feel like 1917 is about an eight out of ten strong uh, best picture front runner. I'm just trying to think here what what won. I mean, Birdman was a fairly decent favorite going into the night. Um, Green Book. I mean, a lot were trying to be in denial but that for the most part we knew green book was was probably going to win um shape of water we knew probably was going to win i don't know i don't think i don't think it's been this split in a in a little while i would say maybe i'd say a a good comparison is what you know What's going to win, Mad Max Fury Road or The Revenant, and Spotlight comes out of nowhere and takes it? I don't know. But then again, Joker is our number one nominated movie. Yeah, Joker's got the most nominations. And Todd, I, I hate your, uh, your, your, SAG, uh, your SAG argument, because last year the SAGs meant nothing. They meant nothing when it came to Best Picture. I mean... SAG's last year, the nominees were Black Panther, A Star is Born, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Crazy Rich Asians. None of them were ever in contention for Best Picture. It, it gave us nothing. And if, Star is if Born something, was. Not at that point in the, in the, in the race. Hmm. I mean, and, uh, so, I mean, you almost have to say if, uh, if, like, 1917 ends up winning... I don't think 
the SAG Best Ensemble Award is going to be something that you can you can bank on to talk about what's going to win Best Picture. I don't know. Or at least they'll, they'll have to earn back some trust. Okay. We've been talking for a while. Let's wrap this up. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap up our Oscar podcast here with our quote of the day. Um, Todd, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, okay. Well, since you guys were reading my uh, January predictions, I will quote Joe Pesci's acceptance speech at the Oscars, uh, you know, 30 years ago. <laughs> it was my privilege. Thank you. <laughs> and that was the whole speech. And I that hope he does it again. Speech. That would be great. Um, if he shows right. up, I don't think he's been to any of them. <laughs> Since then, yeah. No, all he right. hasn't been to any of them this year. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. He hasn't been to any any of the award shows. All right, Zach, what do you got? Okay, my line comes from uh, Parasite, which I hope wins Best Picture. I hope I'm wrong in my prediction. And it's uh, the scene when uh, Da Song's mother is talking about his artwork, and we're talking about the subjectivity of artwork, and uh, the main character asks, oh, it's a, it's a chimpanzee, right? And she says, a self-portrait. And is there, some of these isn't movies, his response, like, beautiful? Some of these movies look like they could be chimpanzees, but really they're self-portraits. Uh, all right. Well, uh, well, my quote, um, I mean, we, we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about the Oscars and, uh, and so we're, we're coming up on Oscar Sunday and, uh, and, uh, the, you know, this is kind of like the culmination of a lot of what we've been doing over the last year. And so this quote came to me from once upon a time in Hollywood. This is, this is the narrator, uh, speaking, and he says, uh, when you come to the end of the line with a buddy who is more than a brother and less, a little less than a wife, getting blind drunk together is really the only way to say farewell. And sometimes that's how I feel about this podcast, especially now, you know, we're getting to, we're at the end of the line. It's the end of, end of this Oscar season, our last podcast before the Oscars. And, you know, having a few drinks and, uh, and talking movies. That's really the best way to, to celebrate what's about to happen. So, It's also quoting Adam Daly's quote of the day from two episodes ago. I don't really care. <laughs> I don't really care. It makes, it makes so much more sense now than it did then. <laughs> it's called context. Anyways. <laughs> uh, let's bring it all to a close. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, to the Almost Sideways podcast. Once again, uh, check out the Oscar challenge. Submit your ballots before Sunday so you can see if you can predict the winners better than we can. Uh, we'll be coming to you soon with another normal podcast where we uh, review some movies and talk about a bunch of random crap. Uh, until then, have fun watching movies. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.